Go Light presents Murder Most Irish. we've been gone for ages yeah we've been gone a while but this week we, we just didn't have an episode last week so yeah one we, week yeah so we're here we're queer we don't, we don't want any more bears, bears. we're um, here we're hello queer. everybody it's episode whatever it is i don't know uh we're back baby we're back we hope you've all had a nice three weeks without us yeah. even though you've only had one, one week, week without us Uno week. Through the magic of recording ahead. Through us banking the episodes. Banking the banking episodes. episodes Nothing was relative <laughs> to the moment. We were like two weeks behind yeah. everything that was we currently like, happening. Hey, did you hear about that thing? <laughs> so hey, we're back guy, now. do you like this guy? But sorry, but like it's, it's so crappy though because when you go away it's so hard to kind of manage to get everything in in time, you know, that way. Well, we just have <sighs> been like we're on different schedules because yeah. I think I just came back from Kettering. Yeah. And then we had to record like three episodes that week. That's where Jane Tancaster is from. Kettering? Yeah, that's the only thing I can think of when someone says Kettering. Oh, really? That's where he's from, yeah. Fucking nothing in it. Uh, <laughs> what is it like? <laughs> it's it's a rural place. Anyone from Kettering? It's not that far from Birmingham. 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 Oh, we want to be over the <laughs> we love you Birmingham um, we're sorry so I, I saw actually some... was saying what was I doing to Graham during the night I was doing all the uh, fucking accents of all the people I work with now are they really really thick really strong some of them are but there's one she has this one line I think I've said it on this she says rough as toast she says rough as toast <laughs> <laughs> and it's so whenever she says it it's a great things, phrase there are things she says like words she says and I just like oh, I love it when you speak do they like your accent yeah, because I was at a dinner during the night and I said, uh, oh, people who go to that school are tick. <laughs> and and one of them was like, what? And, I, and then one of them started to piss themselves off and I was like, tick is fucking two short planks. And I think when I heard it, I was like, oh, that was actually quite severe. Like it was, <laughs> it was very Dublin. A fucking Dublin accent. And uh, she was like, what's tick mean? And I was like, dumb. Tick as Plank. I said, take as fuck. Someone was giving out about uh, to Ryanair about the picture that they. So you know when you when you book with Ryanair and you yeah. go on the app, you go to like get your boarding pass, and they have a little picture of the city that you're going to. Like they have like oh, yeah. like skyline or whatever the city you're going to. So it's like really the only picture you could find of Birmingham was a housing estate. So they, <laughs> they put a picture of the city. Ryanair just took like a little picture of a housing estate. There is, honestly. But they're, sh- they're not wrong. Like, they, like call it, what do they call it? They call it the concrete jungle. jungle yeah, used to like Broad Street still. is probably like the most well known street in Birmingham. Yeah. And. There is nothing on it. Hello, Birmingham, Birmingham listeners. Please love us. We're sorry. Uh, I, I went out for work. I went out work tonight, and someone I was sitting with talked told me that they uh, could see ghosts. I just feel like the last person that they should have told that to <laughs> exactly. is you, because I know you can't hold your face. I went home. <laughs> like, I went home. You can't hold your face. How did you find out? <laughs> <laughs> you find out? Did I tell you how you found out, Emma? Go on. He went to a fucking palm reader. And the palm reader was like, you can see ghosts. The palm reader went... <laughs> what the fuck? No, the palm reader went to him and I, when the words came out of my mouth, I knew it was being a dick, but I couldn't <laughs> keep them in. He said, uh, the pa- I, he said, this fella recommended I go to this palm reader and the palm reader didn't... Like, it wasn't charlatan. He didn't charge uh-huh. me any money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah, course, yeah. Right. And the charlatan was like, uh, he said, you have to put your hands in ink and then you, like put them on so, so you take a fucking full uh, like a hand print a hand print I'm gonna do this and he said so he put the hand print on the paper and then he took his hands up and the, the palm reader went to him do you know what you have his palms are not identical and they aren't he showed me his palms and I was like alright you know they're not like so his palms are not mirrored and not identical one is completely significantly different ah uh, okay so then that means he can see ghosts so the palm reader was like do you understand what you have do you understand and uh, it was like you have a gift Ugh. and I was like okay great well done and did he start seeing ghosts after this fact no he said he'd always had I interactions had he said mm-hmm. he's a memory of a, a woman being outside his window and he lived three stories up 
it's and I said, like, and what did you do? Because I would fuck, as China would have been like, <laughs> get me get the, the fuck, bitch away from the window. Burn this place to the ground. Uh, but I'll take the piss out of that. Yeah, I ha- believe in the cure. So who am I to judge this man with his ink hands and ghosts? No the one. The ink hands for me was like, I'm out. The minute he started, yeah, listen, and I did say to face. You can't I fix said, your face. I don't believe in any of this. <laughs> there's a meme on TikTok at the moment, and there's a voiceover going, uh, I know I don't like this person, but I think I'm really doing a really good job of not showing it. And then it just clips the person, they're like, I was like, This is Sarah. <laughs> she cannot hide her face when she thinks and then, something is um, like. And girl that I work with was obviously sitting across from me, so I just made up a whole load of shit to <laughs> him. I was like, I you know, I actually had an experience. I just made up a whole, like, I was like, going to make up a whole lot of ghost what stories. What is with you and ending up talking to people about ghosts? It seems to be a running theme in your life. People like to tell you that I they have extra, people, extra... I think because I, I look a bit quirky. <laughs> yeah, maybe they're like, yeah, the girl with the orange hair. The girl with the orange hair. She'll know about this. She loves ghosts. <laughs> but yeah, that's that was a dinner that was... And I, and I was dying for you to be back so I could tell you. I was like, <laughs> wait to tell you. <laughs> Set with the one that believes in ghosts. I was in Canada land and I had a lovely time. Thank you to lovely Canadians for being so lovely. They were so nice. They were so nice in Canada. Like, but isn't that their thing? Isn't that their shtick? Yeah, like, and I will say it's so multicultural as well, which I loved. Oh, that's like, nice. Like, you'd rarely meet, like, a white Canadian. It was so, it was just like a boiling fucking pot of shit, but it was amazing. If my being, racist mother was here, she'd say, yeah, we're getting there too. We're getting about there. Also, can I just say. Go on. Uh, so they did a St. Patrick's Parade on the 19th. Sheila's Day. Which was odd, but they did it anyway. And the entire time I was watching it, I was going, so funny to me that Ireland has a day St. Patrick's Day that is celebrated in so many countries around the world by so many people around the world because our asses went everywhere yeah. and brought our cultures with us and people celebrate it now like the amount of people like uh, uh, like Canadian Americans like walking and the entire time I was like and at home we're stopping buses we're, we're going hey we're, don't come into our country we're at the airport yeah don't take our culture no, I, w- I will say it has gotten smaller, what? which is good. That's good. Yeah, I so figured it would kind of be pushing There's people out uh, walking today, about 15 of them. That was it? It's about small, up to like... Uh, yeah, I hope it stays like that. Um, I hope it starts to die down because the entire time... But there was time... people outside a hotel somewhere stopping a bus or... <sighs> I should put up on her Twitter to be like... It's just so embarrassing. Like, and that, but then when I was watching it, I was like, so we are meant to be like, oh God, our patch now, parades Emma, everywhere and it's Now I'm going to say it. Go. We didn't get anything for free when we went there. We worked. We worked. We worked. We, do you know the we weren't raving alcoholics beating the fuck out of our wives. We worked. We weren't abandoning their children at soup houses. Shut the fuck up. Like, we weren't. We built the bridges. Suck my dick. Like, do you know that just, we built all of the skyscrapers in all in New York and there was no Italians it. on it. We wouldn't let them on it. Right. <laughs> No Italians allowed on we went over to We went over to a country and then made shit of people who had been just been in slavery yeah. and weren't like were horrible to everybody but like it's fine because the old Irish St. Patrick's Day Parade oh, we got all support that and the entire time I was like you're doing this right here I'm, I'm watching Irish people and I'm watching the city is fucking green mm-hmm. green the entire city is St. Patrick and like the amount of people that were like when I was talking they were like are you Irish and I was like oh my god, oh my god. Like, and I, I was like back home it's like hey stay the fuck off out of our country don't touch our culture bitch your culture is everywhere someone asked me today on a call did I speak fluent Irish and I said yeah yeah I said and they were like really and I said but sometimes I wish we did I do I do and then they spoke to me in Punjabi and I was like that's great great God, that's so good. Like, you were so... Like, you just spoke that language and I was like, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. Four mm-hmm. phrases, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Gruick. No. <laughs> Gruick. Gansy. That's it. Gansy. She knows Gansy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I just... It, it was so weird to watch and it was cool because I was like, oh, whatever, Irish people. But, like, just because we went to a hockey game which is the most surreal experience of my what entire... Was like? Sarah, it was like I had taken drugs. <gasps> so we got there and I just thought it was going to be a hockey game. No. So the, for two hours before the hockey yeah, game, like it's just ads and then people like dancing and singing and like blaring techno music. Oh. Blaring techno music. Uh, they were doing t-shirt cannons. Oh. <laughs> but we were in the Pavo seats so we didn't get any t-shirt cannons. Uh, cannons. And then they did this thing where they like dropped t-shirts 
in little tiny parachutes out of the sky and everyone was like yeah like it was crazy the entire stadium was green so the team is the maple leafs but back previously they had been called st pat's because it was oh, once all again irish. all irish funny I that i often wonder how the, the all irish <laughs> did well on the skates i don't know that's not a thing that's here. not a thing but like uh so they changed for the day because we went on st patrick's day they changed the team's name to st pat's Aww. and they all wore green and white that's what i'm saying it was entirely irish and then they were playing like remixes of Irish jigs, like ding ding ding, like boom boom boom. Like did they play, uh, it was. Did they play maniac? <laughs> they did play maniac. It would have been amazing and if no they one, played no maniac. Knows maniac. No, <laughs> Lauren told me, you know that funeral where they played maniac at the grave. Yeah, Lauren told me to show people in England that, and they were like, "What's wrong with you?" <laughs> So much, <laughs> so much is wrong with us. She's a maniac. But yeah, maniac. they were all like going around being like selling beer and being like, "It's in bad Patty's day, drink beer." Everybody was locked, but there were so many kids there, and they they don't swear, so no one was swearing, so because there's children there. But I will say this for them: they kept putting up this 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 like announcement, being like, "There, if anybody is in any way like disrespectful towards anybody's race, religion, creed, whatever, you will be ejected from the but building." So I thought that that was cool that they Not did that. Sportsy thing, but being going to an Irish sports thing and then going to this is like such a vastly different thing. And then every time they scored a point or a goal whatever it is it would stop and then they would play this like loud pumping music with an ad and gifs and like I was like what and so they couldn't play until that ended oh <laughs> so this whole thing was like four hours long what but it was an experience and you I went, went twice I, I would, no we only went once we only so went once went to fucking I talk only went twice no, and he was like once. is she on fucking drugs only on, only on St. Patrick's Day that was it oh okay um, but it was did you get a jersey no I when you told me Flavia the price, I was like no Flavio got two. So one of the I ones... I would wearable. He would wear it. One of the ones he got was reversible. So when you turned it inside out, it was a maple leaf with a smiley face. So I wore that. And then he wore the blue one that he got. Oh, was that the yellow and black one? Because that one was nice. Yeah, it was nice. But that was... That but I was, don't want to spend $200 on something. He spent $400 on two jerseys. I was like, what the fuck? But he wanted them, so... Yeah, it's solid. And he has lots of money, so he's grand. But yeah, a uh, hockey game is insane. Mm-hmm. But so much fun. Well... I went to the nail bar while you were gone. <laughs> Sarah was living the life. And uh, just like usual, I went to the nail bar and it was fucking, there's always trouble. What time is it? Was that late in the evening? I went on, it was last week. I went at five o'clock. Okay. I want to say it was a Wednesday or Thursday. Probably a Thursday. Thursday. They open late, late on Thursday. It was Friday. It's Friday. It's Friday. Oh, okay. I was working from home Friday. Five o'clock. Down to the nail down bar. Down to the nail bar. Said, get the money out. I'm not getting the money out. I'm down here too late. <laughs> so I sat in the nail bar, walked in, and there was a woman sitting getting her feet done. Okay. And the all the seats were full. Um, and then there was another woman, an older woman, and you know the bit where they like fucking put those stupid eyelashes on. Yes. Right in there. <clears throat> and I was like, that, so the woman, like Irene, came over and she was like, pick your color. Okay. Right. So I was like looking through. I love Irene. Pick my color. And your one, the, the ma that was in getting the fucking eyebrow, eyebrows she was getting, right? She's getting the eyebrows done. As pale as a ghost, white hair, black, the darkest black eyebrows you've ever seen in your life yeah, came out. I think genuinely makes me laugh. Uh, <laughs> the ma's standing up in the middle of the place. The door is as loud. Why are in your face? Eh. Uh, and her, the, the mum's hair is like down like the girl from the ring. Okay. Right? Like fully over her face. She's like, I can't even see if they're straight. Pull your hair back. Pull your hair back. Ma, she thinks you want them dark. Ma, ma, she thinks you want them dark. Pull your hair back. Pull your hair back. So the ma's like, like not the brightest one. (laughs) You know? Not the brightest bulb in the chandelier, shall we say, right? So ma pulls the hair back. She's like, I can't even see inside them are straight, ma. I can't even see if they're full on your face. Pulls them back worse. Worse. They're just bad. Oh, Emma. She's like, ma, ma, you need to like tell her. Tell You're not listening to me. So she's trying to talk. She's like roaring at her mother in the shop. Yeah, she's trying to talk. And then obviously she's had them tweezed and plucked and like shaped. Yeah. And she's like, are you bleeding? Are you bleeding? Is that blood in her face? (laughs) Is that blood in her face? (laughs) Right. And she's like, and but all the while this man is like fucking scraping the shit off her feet. Like hacking the shit off her feet. Oh then God. there's like three of the workers around this poor friend oh. woman with the biggest eyebrows you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> and the one she's like, is she bleeding? Is she? Then this other woman gets up to pay. 
and she's just looking at me and I am like <laughs> sucked in my ADD, to the situation my ADD radar is like <laughs> that's it nothing oh else God, matters nothing else matters <laughs> right as that's happening Graham went and got Graham was coming from work and he was taking the car off me yeah so he walked in and he was like trying to get my attention and I was like oh, you need to I can't shut even up. go away and he was just so good. I was like you need to shut up <laughs> and listen I was like there's drama drama so then your one pulls back she's like it's that blood no it's not blood it's not blood alright grant grant uh, wipe them off and your the magos uh, they'll they'll get lighter yeah they're not they're not going to stay this dark yet. because you're going to a christening tomorrow <laughs> they won't be like they won't be any lighter by tomorrow ma we're going to a family christening <laughs> tomorrow, ma. Oh, like, God. get them off, ma. So then she's like, they're all kind of huddling around. And she just says to the lady that's like done her eyebrows, she's like, can you just not just wipe them off? Because like, honestly. So then the mom goes back in, lies down. Thing she is wipes wiping it off. them off. Then obviously she realises for like a good 10 minutes, she's just been a complete arse. Cunt. An arse to everybody. Being as rude and as loud. Yeah. So she then starts saying to the fella, let's do it our feet. You're doing a great job. This is the Tara. best. This is the best one I've ever had. You're doing a great job. Thanks very much. I'm loving every minute of it. You're doing a great job. You're really getting in there. You're really getting in there. Yeah. Thanks very much. I would have left. My anxiety would have been through the roof. And the fella doesn't speak a word of English. He's like, uh-huh. Mm-hmm, okay. This mm-hmm. bitch is crazy. All right. Then that's fine. I sit there for another like 10-15 minutes Irene comes over she says I'm really sorry I said don't worry Irene it's grand I got your back <laughs> I'm enjoying every minute like, of this <gasps> I've got a can of coke and a little chocolate bar <laughs> you go on there love so I sit down pick my colour Irene gets started on the nails which turn out fab this fab these two are getting like the fucking works done oh they're getting the whole shebang the whole shebang the eyelashes the eyebrows the nails the toes the works so the mam sits on one side of me and the daughter sits on the other side of me now getting her nails done. The mam's eyebrows are less severe but still pretty severe. Still pretty fucking like Groucho Marx. Like Eugene Levy kind of like, situation going on. Like me. Not Groucho Marx. Eugene Levy. Beautiful, <laughs> distinguished eyebrows. Groucho Marx. These are like these things. Groucho Marx came on with a fucking fat marker around it. Like, right? I was like, okay. And she's like, what colour are you getting there? And the mam's like, I think I'm going to get red oh yeah red would be lovely with your dress red would be lovely oh she's like but my dress is blue don't get blue don't get blue man I hate this woman don't get blue get the red I'm gonna get the red and and then I was getting red and she's like we're all getting red <laughs> I was like I can't even look at anybody I was on my phone like doom scrolling right Irene is like nose full wet because I'm like this is fucking bad luck what the fuck Right, then the mom starts getting the nails done. She's halfway through, like so. She's on the other hand. The yeah. other hand is fully fucking red. She's like I might get beige. Sarah, and stop. The the daughter leans over and she's like, "You always talk about getting the beige, and you never get the beige. <laughs> you should just do it, man. You should just get the beige." I could not stop. I said, "Not tonight." <laughs> There'll be no one. I said, "Not tonight." There'll be no one getting the beige tonight. Her hand. I said, "This place closes in half hour." <laughs> Are you having a fucking laugh? You're one just, oh, I was like poor people. I said you're not talking about getting the beige tonight are you? And she was like oh it might be better with me I said the red's lovely. Leave it alone. I said are you going to pay twice? Like so she got one of her ha- half of her hands pretty much and you know the way they get to the point where they're like actually I think both of her hands are red and then we're getting the top cut on. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. And she get out. Like, and I was like I literally couldn't stop myself I was like get not out. tonight so <laughs> not happening tonight is it? The, and then well I'm glad you said it like fucking these poor people like. I feel there are, there are times where I'm down there where I feel like apologising on behalf of the assholes that they have to yeah, deal it's with like like you're I, I know you're paying for a service but also stop being a cunt you're fucking being an asshole She's, and then when you're, like so then I I got done at the same time as them uh, and they were like thanks very much that was lovely yeah thanks very much that the biggest eyelash you know those eyelashes oh they get the the, uh, the like um, brooms yeah like I could knock like, something down if you went like that I was like no offence to you but no one's going to make this better it's already fucked right no one's going to make this better it's fucked the hack about you <laughs> like the fucking hack is there's nothing we can do for you if they had walked in I would have went there's nothing we can do for you get out 
there's no, Get the there's, fuck out. there's no place in here for you out. Sarah brought me a birthday cake for my birthday. Oh yeah, it's Emma's birthday. She brought me a little birthday cake and Lily and Graham came over and they sang happy birthday and happy I had no birthday. idea. Yeah, I didn't put up on the internet because I know how you are about I those know, things. I'm a weirdo, but it was so cute and thank you so much for my cake. I'm it. like, nobody loves me and I need everybody. I mean, I love I've me. always put up your birthday posts I know, that's what I'm saying. Oh, I'm okay. You. I'm like, man, you know, everybody knows my you birthday. You and Colin, I'm always like, put their birthday posts. Colin's worse than me. But yeah, I always put them up because it's nice. Um, it's nice to get a happy birthday. We'd like to say thanks to all the people. Loads of people commented about Lydia. Oh yes, loads of people talked about last. Thank you so much, Doctor Lydia Foy. Um, and so, we never called her Doctor Lydia Foy in the whole episode, and I think that might I think be real. We called it the name of the episode was Doctor Lydia okay, Foy. Okay, good. But other than that, I think I mentioned it once. But other than that, I just called. And I think for me, it's because I know this her. This is a house of learned doctors. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's because I know her that I'm just like Lydia. I would expect that. Colin to be like that. Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Family business. <laughs> but apparently, Lydia liked the episode. Colin said it to her and she said people are really interested in getting the merch yes I've done the artwork I think that's good enough it's perfect it's absolutely gorgeous I hope it's good enough Um, someone actually asked me to like look for me I put up the artwork I did of Lydia and I put it on Facebook yeah and someone was like would you be interested in doing a commission for my wedding do it and I was like why the fuck wouldn't you I just don't think I'm good enough and it's Sarah that's ridiculous such a like if somebody looked at that hold on a second if someone looked at that and was like she looks a bit melted no she doesn't look melted she looks lovely (laughs) if someone looked at that and was like that's good enough for my wedding why would you think it's not good enough for their wedding like they're they're, that's they're thinking that's good enough for my wedding Um, you don't get to tell them that it's not good you don't get to tell them so anyway she sent me reference photos I'm 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 doing that thing that all people with ADD do she said to me and I loved you in art and I was like I hate doing this (laughs) I hate doing this. Yeah, it's because the pressure is on you. Yeah. It's like when you've got to do like, something, yeah. Trying to draw teeth. Jesus Christ. Like, <laughs> you there. can do it. Everybody's teeth look shit. You can do it. I've one of you that I drew. I think you've seen it. And even Graham was like, that really looks like Emma. He's always like, how did you make it look I like Emma? I have seen it. It's, it's like a side, it's a picture I took of you in Vegas. Oh, I don't remember this and, um, at all. I haven't seen that. It's you wearing like sunglasses and you're at the side. It's actually very cool looking. Oh, I haven't seen that. I'd um, like to see it. And uh, he's like, that is Emma. I'm like, yeah, because I fucking drew Emma. Like, what? <laughs> I don't understand. Even with the lid, when I sent him the Lydia one, he was like, how did you do that? And I was like, but that what do you mean? It's so good. I love it. It's so pretty. Um, I love the colours. It's gorgeous. It's going to look so nice. And as Sarah said, when we do put up the merch, uh, the proceeds will be going to a trans organisation in Ireland that we can, we can help. We're just going to give to Lydia. Straight to Lydia's pocket. Although she, I think she would like a cup of herself on it. I think so too. And a tote bag. I think so too. Um, so yeah, thank you very much to everybody. And it's nice because a lot of people didn't know about Lydia. So it's nice that they kind of learned yeah, about her. Yeah, and, and it's nice as all that we didn't do. It was, it was a nice Yeah, because the previous week was horrific. So well, we're, This week's a break too. Oh good, okay, we're good. We're not doing a murder. Okay, happy days. Uh, we're celebrating Life. more Irish women. Well, I'm the Irish one. Doing great things. I tell you, I felt very nationalistic in Canada. You always, you're like me when we I was like, Yippah! Every morning you wake up to, don't forget to shovel if you want to go to work. Hey, Colin, tell us about the Patreon. Sure thing, Lily Pops. Hey there, MMI fans. It's me, Colin, and do I have news for you. It's all going down over at www.patreon.com forward slash Irish, where we've totally revamped our Patreon offering for you mega fans. That's right. Now all of your favorite Patreon stuff can be found in one place as we bring you our MMI Super Show exclusively for Patreon, featuring all the usual banter and chat between Emma and Sarah Jane, plus me thrown into the bargain, along with Lily's Tales, Maximum bell bag and some surprises along the way but that's not all every single week due to popular demand we will be bringing you a full length story whether it be miscellaneous most Irish for those cases that just don't fit on the main show murder most international for those cases you guys have been crying out for or even music most awesome where we talk about our favourite albums but wait there's even more how about MMI Drive the fan favourite podcast show where MNC Sarah Jane drive around Dublin talking about all sorts of shite plus our monthly Ask Me Arse segment where you get to pick the brains of the girls and maybe even ask me a question or two. So what are you waiting for? Come on over to www.patreon.com forward slash Irish and join in the fun for only six euros a month. Give my mommy six euros. Right. This is going to be short and sweet. Short and sweet. Like me. So hey. name of this week's episode. Short and shit. (laughs) 
So this week I'm going to talk about Rosie Hackett because she is amazing. But also because I don't want to do a murder. Okay. And also because I want to continue on the trend of like speaking about influential Irish women. Perfect. There's so many influential Irish women that I think we've like that we've just kind of forgotten about. Of course, yeah. Like it's insane. It happens. People just forget, especially with women because their history is not yeah. really talked about as much as men. So it's very easy to forget them. Like so many. We're bringing it back. Anyway. We're bringing them back. Well, Rosie Hackett's pretty, you know, there's a bridge named after. Uh, did you know there's a bridge named after? I did not. You know the Harp Bridge up at the convention centre? You know the great big... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the Rosie Hackett Bridge. The Rosie Hackett Bridge. Rosie Hackett was born into a working class family in Dublin in 1893. Her father, John Hackett, was a hairdresser. Whilst her mother, Rosanna Dunn, was a homemaker. According to the 1901 census, so that's 1893, by 1901 she's living with her widowed mother. There we go. And five other family members in a tenement building house on Bolton Street in the city centre. So her dad dies when she's very young. Okay. I don't know what he dies from at all. The drink. Um, he's on the drink and he's, on the drink, he's eating the hair. He's on the drink. He's eating the hair that he's cutting off. <laughs> They're like, Billy, stop eating the hair. He's like, I can't stop I eating can't the help it. I have... A condition. <laughs> um, so he dies from a blockage of hair. But <laughs> you were actually serious when you started reading that. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, that sounds real. That travels to his heart. <laughs> Which isn't common. Poor R.I.P. this man. We're not making fun of this man. R.I.P. sir. But back then they had nothing. <laughs> they, didn't know, they didn't know what was happening. Actually, she was living in a house made of hair. Um, that's like that Monty Python sketch. Yeah. I used to live in a shoe on the side of the road. Um... So she's living now in a tenement house and tenement building on Bolton Street in the city centre. If no one knows what a tenement house is and you're not from Ireland, tenement housing are old Georgian houses yeah. where a family would get a room within that house. Um, my grandfather grew up in one right. across from the Rotunda and most of those tenement houses still exist in Ireland but they're not tenement housing anymore because it's against your human rights. It's against the law, lads. Um, and there were really terrible terrible conditions your children wouldn't like the mortality rate for your children would be quite high just like from simple like no access to like running water you're living in a bad place yeah yeah. like per air quality Um, the available documents suggest that her father died while she was still very young Rosie's mother then remarried in 1911 and they moved to a small cottage on Abbey Street as a teenager, Rosie worked as a packer in a paper store and then got a job as a messenger for Jacob's Biscuits. Ah. No? Bad? Bad? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jacob's Biscuits. I do love a Jacob's Biscuit, but now I've learned Not the they're best bad. Employer. Okay. Uh, Hackett joined the Irish Transport and General Workers Union, which is the ITGWU, when it was established in 1909 by Jim Larkin. We might do Jim Larkin because he's equally yeah. as important the problem I find with Irish historical figures is there's no fleshing out of a story it's just these are the facts yeah yeah yeah, yeah. they were born then they died happened. then they yeah. did a thing they were remarkable then but there's died. no like information about yeah, like, yeah, who yeah. they were as people and what they were into and like you know that kind but of they stuff they like music and narrative stories yeah. the working conditions in Jacob's factory at the time were terrible god damn it they were in Tala no, they weren't but that's where it ended up being years there Jim Larkin himself described the conditions for the biscuit makers as sending them from this earth 20 years before their time Jesus literally killing these people on the 22nd of August 1911 Rosie helped to galvanise and organise more than 3,000 women so the women's situation was much worse than the men okay so they had much worse working conditions and got paid less shocker Uh, uh, sounds about the same yep uh 3,000 women work at, how big is that factory that's fucking huge and especially for then 3,000 women in insane. one factory yeah like that's basically an entire town yeah. being employed they withdrew their labour and the women were successful they received better working conditions and an increase in pay Rosie was just 18 years old at the time so this is like her first like I've created this she's movement she's a baby 18 years old she's like we're up lads there'll be it's no happening. biscuits for nobody in the whole of Dublin there'll be no cream crackers what are those Jacob's biscuits fig rolls, fig rolls. No, what are the other ones the ones with the round with the cream in the middle 
It's not cream. Kimberly Mikado. Kimberly, Kimberly Mikado oh, yeah. and coconut creams. Um, a Kimberly Mikado with a glass of milk. Oh, change your life. I, you know something. I know we dealt with big milk as children, but like it's fucking delicious. <laughs> oh, fucking delicious. I'm like, still on cold, the big milk phase, and I'll never glass get off of milk. it. I choke milk. Like no tomorrow. Did I can't tell you that Craig was horrified by that. That we choke milk. Yeah, he was like that we drink glasses of milk. He was like, what? I was like, oh, are you just past the big milk situation there? Because when we were growing up, milk was like, drink milk, drink the fucking milk. You'll die if you don't drink your milk. All your bones will fall out of you your body. There's more oil in coconut milk than there is in fucking... Coconut Thank milk you. is not good for not you. Good. None of the, unfortunately, none of the milks that we're being told we should have as uh, Dairy- options yeah. are really not good for the planet. So if you're lactose intolerant, get it. No problem. Dairy alternative. Knock Go yourself out. 100%. If you think having coconut milk in your fucking skinny latte it's or not. whatever is it is doing nothing good for you. No, and also it's doing nothing good for the planet or the environment. It t- you know coconut oil? Yeah. You know the way people are like oh, coconut yeah, yeah, yeah. oil? More saturated fats than butter. That's crazy. And takes more time for your body to digest so and why, break down. Why was this thing where it was like everybody was like, have coconut oil instead? Why did that become a thing? Because people believe people on the internet. Oh my god. Also, fucking here can I have coconut milk, milk in my hot chocolate I do it sometimes because I have I'm lactose intolerant and they're like it's an extra 175 for what no cows were involved in this no like 175 they charged me in in Toronto I said did they have to make the coconut think it was pregnant to produce the milk banging it like <laughs> 175 next time I was like scrunch I'll shit my guts out the next what time what do you want to say to coconut it's a lovely baby <laughs> okay sorry we're back in it we're back in Rosie uh, what's Rosie doing let's see 3,000 women working in the factory. They withdrew their labour and the women were successful. They received better working conditions yes. and increased pay. And Rosie was 18 years old at the time and this is her first success in the world of mobilising people against shitty jobs. Shitty, crappy Jacob's Biscuits jobs. This marked the beginning of her lifelong activity in trade unionism. Are you in a union? No. Okay. I am uh, not. In 1911, she co-founded the Irish Women's Workers' Union, which is called the IWWU, and they still exist to this day. And they have a great website with loads of stories on it. Um, With Delia Larkin. It was set up to protect women from working in terrible conditions and in 1913 became actively involved in trade union movement. She once again helped organise the women in Jacobs to strike and protest the poor working conditions when the tram workers went on strike against their employers. The Jacobs factory workers came out on strike and support. Fucking I remember a. this used to be a thing when I was growing up where yeah, people, people would join in solidarity. Yeah, people were like we're not working too. Yeah. Scab, yeah. scab, 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 scab. Yeah, scab. Um, which is cool that people were like, "Hey, we're not, we're not doing this." Like in nineteen thirteen, so she start this strike started in nineteen thirteen. Right, Jacobs people walked out in protest to support them. In the lockout lasted from August of January from so it lasted from August of nineteen thirteen until January of nineteen fourteen. Jesus. There was widespread hunger and poverty in Dublin at the time. Uh, still is now. Rosie and along with other members of the IWWU worked tirelessly during the lockout, providing strikers with basic food and moral support. Excuse me. The women set up the soup kitchen in the Liberty Hall in 1914 um, and successfully fed people that were out on this long-term strike to get better conditions. Um, in 1914, Jacobs fired Rosie for her activity. Ooh. Shit. So they brought her in and they were like out the door, booted. You've caused suited. too much trouble. Rosie persisted and began a role as a clerk with the IWWU in Liberty Hall and worked alongside Delia Larkin and Helena Maloney. She also trained as a printer, which okay. is important, and she became connected and involved with the Irish Citizen Army at this time, which is essentially the IRA. The beginning of it. Uh, Hackett was involved in preparations for the 1916 Rising working in a union shop helping with printers and making first aid kits and cap- first aid kits and cap snacks so they knew that the rising was go- like she was so actively involved in the rising that she's now hoarding ammunition in like liberty hall she's creating first aid kits because she knows there's going to be well, an uprising people are going to, she's 100 she's like friends like she's 
connected to Connolly like she is involved in the uprising she's actively involved yeah. actively taking part she's also producing like material for the uprising she's producing material in Irish language illegally in the print shop that she's working in um, like she is heavily active yeah. my auntie so my great great auntie was also involved in that movement no and she used to like hide she was involved in like you know the secret women's society yeah. so she used to hide like guns and ammunition in the house she had like the proclamation so when this woman helps sort the proclamation out she'd like a couple of the first copies in her chimney that's in amazing her house down in uh which is now crumlin that's incredible um so she's fully involved she's all about getting us out from under the Brits. If other members of the ITGWU were looking for James Connolly, she aided them bringing him, bringing them to him. Hackett worked as a canvasser and travelled and was called on to carry out many confidential jobs. So she was called upon to like move things around, to help print things, to like deal with people when they were moving in between like places and keeping them safe. She would bring messages from like John Connolly, James Connolly to like other individuals within the movement. Oh, she was properly involved. Fully active. Okay. She took up first aid training, uh, which was provided by Dr. Kathleen Lynn, Kathleen Lynn for six months before the rising. So she, again, she was like, the rising's happening. We need to make sure we can help people if they're injured. Um, and she attended night marches organized by the Irish Citizen Army. Um, according to her own account, Hackett said, a week before the Easter, I took part in the ceremony of hoisting the challenge flag over the hall. Like other girls and women who were involved in the rising, she carried messages and guns and she prepared uniforms and food for the Irish Republican Army, um, and, and which was risky work. Of course. Um, she was also, do you remember the story we did on Sheila Humphreys where yeah. she'd go around and essentially hush? Yeah. Knock on the door. Knows we know where you live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're open court tomorrow, and your husband's on the jury. Yeah, find this person innocent. She did that. She was doing that too. Three weeks before the Easter Rising, the Royal Irish Constabula Constabulary raided a shop where Hackett was working. She was alone when they came in, and they were looking for a copy of Gale, which is an Irish language, like almost like a zine. Yeah, they still make that. Uh, you know, in that raw shop in town. Yeah. <laughs> I love the rash up and down. <laughs> I'm just going to buy you a cup out there. <laughs> Please do. That's what I want for my birthday. Okay. Um, she said to them, wait till I get the head. Wait till I get the head. And she called for Connolly. The police were stopped by Connolly and Helena and Helena Maloney, who were armed. And Hackett immediately hid everything. So she, she rang them do. and was like, this is happening. So essentially, the police came in. Yeah. She said to the police, I'll get the head of the shop. She went back behind, rang, said... The police are here. Police are here. But she was like giving them the heads up. They came in, were armed. So the police had to leave to essentially come back to the shop. Okay. So in the meantime of all of that happening, she fucking hid everything. Good woman. So she immediately hid everything. And so that... So that when the police came back, they could not get anything because of that event. The police knew that they were armed, that they had to double up the work. So Rosie... And Rosie was in Liberty Hall at the time. So this is like... Uh, her telling the story. Liberty Hall, March 1916. Rosie Hackett held her nerve as she always did. The policemen were here to raid the union shop. That was obvious. They'd been raiding shops and printers all across Dublin since early morning. Seizing type and dismantling machinery. So they knew as well that like printing presses were like a big problem for yeah, them. Yeah, of course, because so they were getting like, their information. Yeah, they were yeah. like essentially dismantling this machinery. Because she trained as a printer, she used to go around and fix the machinery if it was still there. What a woman. Um, so they were dismantling machinery and they were specifically looking for copies of an inflammatory St. Patrick's Day issue of The Gale. But Liberty Hall had a lot more seditious journals to worry, seditious journals to worry about. So you'd like, they were essentially in Liberty Hall writing the proclamation. Yeah. Um, for several weeks, Rosie and her colleagues had been busy manufacturing ammunition as well as new shirts for the soldiers for the Irish Citizen Army. And this is all in the place where the police were searching. Wait till I get the head, she said, dashing next door where she told them to fetch James Connolly urgently. As Rosie later wrote, Connolly was down in a jiffy. The first person he saw was a policeman behind the shop counter, his arms full of newspapers. Drop them or I will drop you, growled Connolly. 
Helena Maloney, Rosie's boss, was standing by the fireplace, her gun cocked and ready to shoot if things turned nasty. She always had a gun and was always prepared, said Rosie. The policeman put the papers down and they left, vowing to come back later. They came back later with a warrant, but Rosie said they got nothing because I'd hidden all the stuff. Fair play, Rosie. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Please know this is satire. It's that time. We've got our balaclavas on. Uh, oh, sorry, Colin. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Colin. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Okay. Rosie was among the small group along the constant, along with Constance Markovich and Michael Mallon, who occupied Stephen's Green during the Easter Rising, and the Royal College of Surgeons. We discussed this in the case and life of Sheila Humphreys. So remember, I went through like yeah. what happened, and she, Sheila Humphreys was in that building as well. On Easter Tuesday, under the ca- command of Constance Markovich, Markovich uh, Hackett took part in the 1916 Rising and was located in the area of St. Stephen's Green and the Royal College of Surgeons. This position was heavily attacked with guns, a short of first aid and looked like a death trap. However, after moving from an initially overlooked position in Stephen's Green, it was one of the last positions to surrender in the Royal College. The last positions to surrender. In the Royal College, Rosie Hackett, as a first aid practitioner, was allowed entry to the lecture room sanctioned to the Red Cross only. Um, Another first aider, aider Nora O'Daly, later reported that during these days... I have very kind remembrance of little Rosie Hackett of the Citizens Army. Always cheerful and always willing to see her face about... Always cheerful and always willing to see her face about the place was a tonic itself. Aww. Rosie was involved in the group that painted the first... Printed the first 1916 proclamation and gave it to James Connolly. They were able to print it off on a faulty printing press that they had handed to him... Oh, sorry. I'm going to start it again. Rosie was also involved with the group that printed the first 1916 proclamation and gave it to James Connolly. They were able to print it off on a faulty printing press and they handed it to him, still dripping wet. She later recounted how the men with Connolly complained that a woman had been let into the room. She remembered that when she went to where the printing press, because we're having problems printing it and she was called for. Mm -hmm. She remembers that three men were were there when she entered the room and one came over to her, shook her hand and congratulated her. It made her very proud, especially that no one else was allowed to get in. She subsequently told family members of handing it still wet to James Connolly before it was read by Podrick Pierce on the steps of the GPO. That's amazing. Like she's fully... This shit wouldn't be happening if it wasn't for her. Like no, she's... but she's... a part of our history yeah 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 and it seems to just be fully washed over we only really talk about the men yeah following the surrender of the rebels at the Royal College of Surgeons the group along with Rosie were brought to Clemainham Jail and they were imprisoned for 10 days and then freed on general release in 1917 on the anniversary of Connolly's death the ITGWU decided that it was time to commemorate it they hung a sign from Liberty Hall that said James Connolly was murdered on May 12th, 1916. According to Rosie's own account, it was up no time at all when the police took it down. Rosie, along with Helena Maloney, Ginny Shannon, Shanahan and Bridget Davis decided it was important and that everyone should know it was the anniversary. They printed out another poster. They climbed to the roof of Liberty Hall and they barricaded themselves in. They nailed the doors shut put coal up against the windows and Rosie said Rosie said the police mobilised from everywhere but it took them hours to get in the poster remained in position until the six until six in the evening Rosie later bragged that it took 400 policemen to take down four women we enjoyed it at the time all the trouble they were made put to (laughs) after the rising Hackett returned to the IWWU which at its strongest organised over 70,000 women after the 1945 laundry strike they won an extra week of paid holidays for the workers so this I'm going to go into detail about the 1945 laundry strike because it's actually really important in terms of like rights in Ireland Mm -hmm. for workers the IWWU's members won a historic laundry strike and earned for all Irish workers a second week 
week's annual holiday for the following year. So you now get two weeks a year because of these. This, this so one. you get 21 days <coughs> annual leave outside your bank holidays, which is a direct relation of the IWWU's movement. And they had 70,000 women essentially mobilized to go out and strike for this. Um, so they earned all Irish workers the second week's annual leave holiday from the following year, here based closely on the longer accounts of the events involved, contained in Mary Jones' History of the Union. So this is taken directly from History of the Union, and this is directly from the IWWU's website. Um, these obstreperous lassies is the story of that success. Problems in the laundry industry had been burrowing through the emergency with workers who were less well paid than their counterparts in Britain or other women in the likes of the tobacco industry. Increasingly frustrated by the conditions in which they were employed, Laundry Work said the union in a statement intended to make the case for additional time off. It is performed standing in a heated atmosphere, causing, in hot weather especially, great fatigue, excessive perspiration and blistered feet. Laundresses often worked from 8am to 9pm. That. In order to meet demand, their cause was not helped by the way in which many commercial firms were undermined by institutional laundries. using what in some labour so like the other thing is that there was institute what they're saying there is the laundry houses where women were enslaved they the lawn the commercial laundries were going up against them okay but they don't have any rate of pay to pay because those women are slaves so they were competing against that and because they they had to keep their prices really low or else they're not they're not going to get the competitive Um, and to do that they taught they treated these people less and gave them less yeah so, I've mi- missed where I was. Yeah. So, in some instances, it amounted to little more than a slave labour. The union sought to canvass these institutions in the hope of persuading them not to undermine the working conditions of its members, but with little success. So, they went directly and were like, you need to do something before they ever went on strike. Yeah. They were like, this is not working. This is not safe. Yeah. This is really dangerous but nothing happened. happened the stakes involved were highlighted in april 1941 when bloomfield laundry lost a military contract to the magdalene asylum Jesus christ donny brook and 25 women oh. lost their jobs in 1945 having commonly worked large amounts of overtime throughout the war years the laundry section membership voted by 779 to 54 for strike action in pursuit of additional holidays which had been in demand for some time of the trade of the union movement generally the federation of employers or the FUE formed in 1943 said the holidays the holiday issue was one for the government to legislate on the union served strike notice but the first action taken was an overtime ban so they were like we're not doing overtime Okay, so that was so the start. We still go to work, but we're not doing all the time. Relations between the two deteriorated on July twenty first, and the strike began with many of Dublin's most famous hotels, the Hibernian, the Shelburne, and the Dolphin. Amongst these, most adversely affected, hospital laundries were exempt from the action. The Minister of Industry and Commerce, Sean Lamas, said that any concession should be linked to greater productivity, but the members rejected the suggestion and a week after the strike began to issue a call for fair play while while proclaiming the right to leisure. They called on Lamas to intervene in order to help to resolve the dispute, but they got little response. There was, however, support from other unions, many of which recognised the women's cause as their own. The National Secretary of the United Stationary Engine Driver said, We will support your union in every possible way. The people on strike are fighting for our fight. The press was less sympathetic and speculated about the implications for public health if the dispute, dispute continued. Um... For some employers, meanwhile, the consequence of strike went beyond the financial, with Mr. Brenner of Swastika Laundry, that was the name of it, in Ballsbridge. What? Yeah. Reported to have advocated meeting the workers' demands after having to apparently been obliged to wash his own underpants himself. 
Well, he just sounds like a little Nazi, so wash your shitty underpants, you cunt. The women themselves were suffering rather more significant hardship as the strike wore on, but members from other sections contributed to the fund, so other people paid for them to be on strike. Flag days were held and other unions contributed funds as well. Copies of a song to be sung to the tune of Lily Marlene was also printed and sold by members and the supporters brought in much needed cash so the strike was continued for a considerable amount of time it then came to an end but it was supported fully by people like funding it and the IWUU essentially raising funds and soup kitchens and keeping yeah, these women yeah. fed and feeding their families yeah. so they could not they could be on strike they but could also do whatever not they do, do overtime fuck man that is community right there yeah like, yeah yeah in a massive way 70,000 people that's amazing um, so she attended many important labour union events uh, so this is like later in life as she kind of gets older so that's like her last big movement but it's her last big movement because it's the last big movement needed Yeah. the rest is just kind of like they continue to trick along in terms of like rights for women but also rights for general workers mm-hmm. they were always out like whenever there was a like the uh, strikes when we had like the bin the guys went out on strike during the bin. The garbage men would go out on strike because that used to be all run by the government. Yeah. Um, they would go out and support them. They would get like do the same thing when there was long-term strikes. ITL went on strike in the 80s and they supported heavily. Wow. Um, so, yeah. They're, that's, imagine having, like, that support is incredible yeah, to yeah. have, you know? Yeah. Um, she attended, she attended many important labour union events, such as opening of the new Liberty Hall on the 2nd of May in 1965, which is where me and Emma attended the podcast, podcast awards. Um, and she, the Arbor Hill Memorial Services, so she was heavily involved in like Arbor Hill. Arbor Hill was a, a what do they call those skills? Were like a work skill? Oh, uh what the fuck is the name of them? I know exactly what you're talking about. Ah, what are they called? It's on the tip of my tongue. I can't, it's on the top of my tongue. Yeah, I can't. I can't. Um, but essentially, you went to Arbor Hill as a kid and you were put to work and it was an, an awful lot of like... And it was a all boys skill. Fucking for, abuse, that's what it was. Uh, were sexually and physically yeah. and mentally abused. Um, and she came out for memorial services and fought for those rights of those people to get their day in court until her retirement. She ran the trade union shop, resulting in over five decades of active participation in the Irish trade union movement. That's incredible. Um, it, for work to improve conditions for Irish workers. In 1970, she was awarded a gold medal for 50 years of ITGWU membership. In 1970s, Walter McFarlane, then branch secretary of the ITGWU, awarded an honorary badge for Hackett's 50-year contribution to the union. Hackett was never married and she lived in Fairview with her brother Tommy until her death in 1976. And she didn't live above her means. She was like such just a... Like went and fought for people's rights and lived in a small house. Like giving your entire life over to the rights of other people is phenomenal. She was buried at St. Paul's Plot in Glasnevin Cemetery next to her mother, Roseanne Needon, and stepfather, Patrick Gray. At her burial, she was honoured with a military salute. Yes, girl. And her coffin was covered with the Irish flag. After her passing on the 4th of July, 1976, her legacy was remembered in the Union's newspaper, a tale of the strife of Rosie, together with the rest of Dublin's working class for which she fought to change. In May 2014, the Rosie Hackett Bridge was officially opened by the Lord Mayor of Dublin. The Hackett Bridge campaign had begun in October 2012, led by three women, Angelina Cox, an active member of Labour Youth, Jenny Gartland and Lisa Connell. The final shortlist of contending names for the new bridge and their awarded voting points had been Rosie Hackett, Kay Mills, Willie Birmingham, Bram Stoker and Frank Duff. In April 2015, a plaque was unveiled on Foley Street by the North Inner City Folklore Project to commemorate the women of the Irish Citizen Army 
The plaque lists Rosie Hackett as a member of the St. Stephen's Green College of Surgeons Garrison during the 1916 Easter Rising. And that is the life of Rosie Hackett. Yuppa, Rosie. Go on, the Rosie. Go on, the Rosie. Go on, the Rosie. That's fantastic. She did amazing work. I can't use this phone. Oh, thank you. That is amazing, Sarah. What a fucking amazing thing to talk about. Isn't she amazing? A badass. We have, honestly, just so many. Like, when you, like, I, I think we have more women within our yeah. history. And you know what's really frustrating is that those women that were surrounding the 1916 Rising pre and post. Um, who were some of the most liberal, literate, strong-minded, amazing women uh, who worked hard and did everything they could for Ireland that was suffering. As soon as we became a republic and they were like, get to the kitchen. Back to the kitchen. Back to the kitchen you go. We don't need you anymore. Back to the Which is deeply frustrating. So I completely understand why Rosie didn't get married because I'm sure she was told as well, right, that's over now. The men are going to take over and you go back and get married and have babies. So yeah, it's just, it's frustrating in a sense because these women are incredible, but their history wasn't talked about. It no. was all James Connolly. Like it's like, I never remember, mentioned. I remember learning about like Countess Markovitch. Yeah. Like she was a big one, but yeah. I think as well because she was quite of a... Uh, she was in the suffragettes. Yeah. And she was a bit of a, she was a fit, like she was, she was, uh, there was something about her. Like she was, well, she comes from gentry. Yeah. She comes she from was money. Like ostentatious. Whereas yeah. these women who were behind the scenes and making Rosie this happen. Hackett looks like every people before profit like to, really yeah she's just <laughs> like she's really unassuming yeah, yeah you know yeah, what I mean yeah, yeah, like yeah, she yeah. doesn't take up a whole lot of but space but that's the thing and women are always told not to take up space and that's frustrating but she's incredible um, I just wish it would be talked about more the there's so many like, like I, you I've, mentioned Kathleen Lynn in that yeah. story I'm, I've started to talk uh, do a story about Kathleen Lynn okay who's an incredible it'll definitely be better do, than uh, what I do to just stop an incredible doctor as well so who did an um, enormous amount of work and once again was basically just like ignored and what we've told like Grace O'Malley yeah so I've made a list Grace O'Malley's like she's a fucking pirate yeah and she actually existed yeah a lot of Irish uh, talked there is a really interesting one which I think you should do Dr. James Barry <gasps> okay I'll look into that so doc, if there was ever a story to offer a tantalising glimpse into what women might have achieved throughout the history had they been freed from expectation about gender it's the life of Margaret Ann Buckley a young oh, yes, woman she pretended to be a man who grew up to hold the second highest medical office in the British yeah. army but she first had to reinvent herself as Dr. James yeah, Barry there's a movie about that actually um but yeah we have to we definitely do need to talk about these things more because irish history is very scary and tainted and terrifying and sad but also very uplifting um as to what people can do especially people like rosie so yeah like jenny wise power she's the founder of Sinn Féin jenny wise like there's fucking honestly yeah. when our, I went through hist- I was like our history has been erased Irish women's history has been erased and a lot of that is to do with what happened after the 1916 rising Dr. Kathleen Lynn is that the one yeah, yeah. that's the one I'm going to do yeah. she's a phenomenal person specialises well. in ophthalmology volunteers in soup kitchens oh, like, amazing involved during there obviously like yep. just but you know because they're women and because after everything happened they were shoved back into kitchens um, and to raise 17 children because all of a sudden we were super Catholic for some reason. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Well done. Good job. Thank you. Bula bus for Sarah. Um, so yeah. Excellent. Anyway, next week we'll probably be back to normal programming. I'm going to talk about murder. Um, <laughs> but There's going to be lots of murder next week. I just thought we haven't seen each other in a while and I didn't want to be like, hey, how's Hey, do you want to hear about this awful thing that happened? Yeah, no, um, it's nice sometimes to have a break break but next week I'll be back to some terrible stuff, I'm sure. So, um, thank you very much to everybody for listening. Uh, I'm sorry for the being away and the break happening, but we're we're kind of back to normal now. So everything should hopefully everything should be okay. Sarah, stop farting in my room. How many <laughs> I farted three seconds ago. <laughs> Who is this new person? It's the Canada Emma. She's back. She low the maple syrup. Oh. <laughs> I had something today that did not agree. You with have me. eaten something that's upset your tummy, dude. And I would like what to did say. You have? Good night. I've had a lot of cheese. There you go. That's the problem. Um, everybody, we'll talk to you next week. So goodbye. Yeah, we people. haven't seen each other. Bye. Bye. Colin.
close approximation to a hate violation when I'm working at work, working at work, 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 working at work, working at work, work, work. 